Welcome to The Lead, a podcast where we learn how to get ahead in the media industry from the people who did it. I'm Noelle Lashley. On today's episode of The Lead, I talk to Dallas Morning News Assistant Metro Editor Selwyn Crawford. After graduating from the University of Georgia in 1981, Crawford started his career as a reporter at the Orlando Sentinel. He joined the Dallas Morning News in 1988 and currently oversees the award-winning public safety cluster of the paper. He also directs the paper's college intern program. His career has included everything from covering criminal trials to reporting on the 1996 Summer Olympics, and he has earned numerous awards for his work. In this episode, we talk about how instant access to news has desensitized our audience, how the public attitude toward the media has changed, and the importance of relearning how to tell captivating stories. But first, a word from our sponsor. This podcast was created by the Cox Institute for Journalism Innovation, Management, and Leadership as part of its Innovation Fellowship Program. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu slash Cox Institute. How did you come to be the director of the intern program? Because I was looking through your, your LinkedIn and you do everything, but I thought this is interesting because a lot of people I know try to avoid the interns, but you have come right for it. I Actually, I just, I love working with young people and always have. Um, it's just kind of a, a passion for me. And I really fell into um, doing this kind of, I've been working with other folks who kind of had the title of either, you know, recruiter or staffing recruiter, whatever. Uh, and I've been doing that for years, actually, at the Dallas Morning News. And then just kind of through attrition, really, more or less, uh, it kept falling back until finally it was like, you're the guy. You know, you like <laughs> doing it. You've been doing it. Uh, everybody else is gone that was doing it. And so it's you. It's just important to me that we go out and we find really young, talented people that we can put in place to develop and grow and then become great journalists as they go along in their careers. We've talked a lot in here about how the attitude toward the media has changed over the years. And I'll be in the broadcast newsroom and the professor will be talking about, oh yeah, there was, there was a day when you were in the media and people respected and and now we're in a time where we're being called the enemy of the Mm -hmm. American people and licenses should be revoked. So how do you work with students to motivate them to keep going in the face of that shift? You just kind of have to want to be able to tell the truth. You want to be able to get the the information out to people. You want to be the person or, or, or persons who say, you know what, I know this is what was said or this is what was done, but I'm here to tell you what really happened and how it happened and explain to people how things happen. I think sometimes we as journalists um, take things for granted that we know and we assume, well, of course, everybody knows it, but of course, everybody can't be at the city council meeting or at the state legislature or at the crime scene or interviewing the hundred and 10-year-old person that's, you know, lived through a whole lot of other changes. I mean, we have to be those eyes and ears for people, and then we have to explain it to them uh, in a way that they can 
and understand it. And I can understand the headwaters that we face, right? It's the fact that everyone with a telephone now, a cell phone, considers themselves a journalist, right? They take a picture and they say, this is what happened. So what makes me different from you? I think what makes us different is that we have to have the knowledge to analyze that it's not just, you're not just watching a video. You're not just reading words. You're reading an analysis of that information of how it comes in in the context that it is in your life and in your children's lives or grandchildren's lives or friends' lives or enemies' lives for that matter. That's what sets us apart from just being the guy that showed up with a cell phone and took, you know, 30 seconds of video. And the thing you mentioned, because I thought about this a lot, the thing about, you know, we being the enemy of the people. And I, I always want to say to folks, we're not the enemies of the people. We are the people. We're the people that go into war zones. We're the people that that cover uh, uh, the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. You know, we're the people that go into hurricanes when no one else really wants to. Or we're the people that cover riots when the bullets are flying in all directions and we don't know who's the good guy, who's the bad guys. We are those people. We're those people that make sure that, you know, government doesn't get too heavy handed or that people treat everybody right. Those that's what we do. And I think we've been labeled as the enemies of the people. I'm like, we're the same people. We are you. The only difference is we spend all day doing what you can't do, going to these places that you can't get. That's all we are. But we're you. We're your neighbors. We're your family members. We're your buddies. We're your church or synagogue or mosque members. We're all of those things. And, and I think when people understand that about journalists, and I don't think we've done a good job of making folks understand we, we are you. We live in the community, and we care about it because it's our community, too. I've noticed I'll be talking to someone, and if I'm talking to somebody as Noel, mm -hmm. then they're friendly and they want to chat about things right. and then if i start saying and i'm going into journalism it's like a light goes off how do you think we as journalists can do a better job to shift this attitude wow i mean that's in a different direction that's that's really tough because we kind of lost control of 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 the message and really we've lost control of the medium of how we get it out by that i mean is that the problem that we face is that you know i don't know even 20 years ago, you basically had to turn on, you know, NBC News or CNN or, you know, ABC News or buy, you know, whether it's Atlanta Journal-Constitution or New York Times. You basically had to rely on all of those kind of traditional institutions, if you will, to get your news and get your information. But now, because of the technology that now exists, everybody's got a chance to give their input or opinion or thought on something. And you just have news organizations springing up out of nowhere and everybody is one. And so depending on what it is that you want to hear, what your particular influence is, you can find something that kind of like goes to your taste and you can just read that, you know, ad nauseum or keep up with that stuff all the time. And I think we have a difficult chance, we being those of us who would consider ourselves more of the traditional media of really just, just the facts, man. Those of us who are really trying to do that and bring, just, just tell people really the truth of what's going on. Because the instant that we start trying to be something else, the instant that we change from that, then all hope really is lost. Because then we become what people say we are. Then our news does become fake. Then, you know, then we are really purveyors of nastiness. So we have to maintain the journalistic principles and integrity that the, the entire industry was based on. But, you know, if you're in the newspaper industry, coming from where I am in that industry, we're facing now the economic downturns just in that industry. So it makes things tougher because now we're trying to battle just to maintain the people that we have. 
while at the same time fighting against forces that would say what you do anyway isn't important. It's kind of a double whammy. What are some of the shifts and the changes that you've seen in your newsroom in the newspaper well, business? Well, obviously in the newspaper business, the, the big change is, is trying to go digital. We have got to do a better job of reaching that digital audience and not only reaching them, but keeping them. They're being bombarded with so many other things competing for their time on the same, you know, on the same cell phone. They're, they're trying to get all of that information. You know, they're, they're getting a little bit of news, they're getting a little bit of sports. And oh, wow, geez, did you see this volcano explode or this car crash? You know, and they're sitting there and they're getting all of that in a 10 minute, whatever subway ride or whatever they're doing. That's difficult for us to, to kind of get in and get our space so that they not just look at it one time. We got to keep them coming back. That's the only way we can sustain ourselves. And so that's a great, great challenge because the instant someone thinks they figure something out, out something else comes along. And like, eh. We start out, we were just blogging. Well, blogging just, yeah, that's not, that's not getting it. Okay, well, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna tweet everything. Well, you know, some people do, but, you know, resident does a whole lot, but, you know, maybe everybody else is going that way. You know, we thought Facebook was a great entryway. Well, you know, few and few people may start using that. So things change, you know, the, it's just a difficult, it's a difficult, difficult mountain uh, to climb. But, as the younger generation of journalists comes up, the thing the thing about it is they will have, it seems insurmountable to older heads like myself because I don't know how to relate maybe in that language or as well in that language that young people who are growing today do. When everybody is kind of them, you'll relate to them, right? So I think it'll turn, we're just, the, the thing about it is we're just on that edge, you know, we're just on that edge. It's like, you know, the period of time when people are going from horse and buggy to just cars, you know what I mean? <laughs> From typewriters to computers, you know, there were people, when I came in the industry back in the 80s, there were still people working who typed everything and were actually angry that the computer sat on their desk that somebody said, you got to use this. So... And the shifts happen. It happens. They happen. And when they happen, and at the time when they're first happening, everybody thinks it's the end of the world. But over time, it becomes the norm. We just haven't hit the period where it's become the norm yet. Then I think people will figure out how can we make this work? How can we make this a viable concern? How can we keep journalism as it is, real journalism, going? And how can we find the different age groups? Because... Yeah. Facebook has some older people, yeah. Instagram has some younger, but there you can't you give as much information. Twitter has more, you think about the president and Correct. influencers Correct. and less of... Correct. So you're trying to spread it out and how can you do that? You, you you can do it. It's just going to, again, it's going to take, you know, like you're sitting in an innovation lab. I mean, it's going to take people who are innovative in thought innovative in seeing the world in a different in a different way but again you'll have those people because in time and it'll take time but in time you will have people who are not like me who say i remember how we used to do it you know they, they, they won't they won't remember how they used to do it. all they will have known is this so they're working on refining what they had there was a time when sure the printed product came out when we worked a lot on refining the printed product because that was what we that's what we had so we were finding ways how can we make this better how can we change this how can we you know reorganize the printed product well nobody's spending a whole lot of time trying to figure out how to re reorganize and do their printed product anymore. That's not where it is. And so you you in time again, and I don't know what that time period is, you will have young people, journalists who will come in and say, well, let's figure it out from this standpoint. Let's take the technology that we do have and figure out a way that we can reach more people and attract and keep that audience.
How do you think we can get people to stay with our written stories longer? Just make them more interesting. A good story is still a good story. That's why classics are classics, whether they be movies or records or novels, because they're just, they tell a story and they tell it well. And I think what we don't have enough of is we don't have enough good storytelling. And that's gone, I think, because in the age of quickness, Good stories aren't always told quickly. It takes time to gather information. It takes time to explain. It takes time to give it, for lack of a better term, a story texture and feeling and fabric. It takes time to hold you. And so a lot of people don't want to spend that time, but they will spend the time if the story holds them. Good stories that are well told still hold people's attention. They just will. That requires, in some form or fashion, conflict. And when people hear that word, they think it, and immediately they think, oh, it's got to be something bad. Well, all conflict isn't bad. It just it just means there's an innocence. It just means it's beyond the norm. It's why people don't really pay attention except for parents when kids graduate. Because if you go through 12 years of school, it's kind of an expected thing. Okay, big deal. A lot of people graduate. you got to tell me something in there that's like unique about it they're different about it and so that's why we pay attention to the kid that overcame all odds to graduate you know who grew up in a family where no one could read but he did and became a doctorate candidate those are the kinds of things that people read that makes them go wow this is something i can grab hold to i have hope or i have i have a happiness i get joy from this or i i, I have emotions that that's 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 the essence of what it's about it brings it to life mm-hmm. especially really with so does. many things like you said grabbing for attention it does it does and you, you just got to have that i mean it's it's just got to have it that, that's the one thing i see really in journalism these days that i'm um that i'm saddened by more than than really kind of any anything is that People just don't tell good stories anymore. I mean, you know, a lot of lot of stuff you see, whether it's whether it's TV news or whether it's the, in, in in newspapers, um, whatever it is, it's just boring. You're just like, why do why does it matter? And and if you check, it's not only newspapers really losing readers, but like TV news, like regular newscasts. People are like, why does it matter? Because I can get it on my phone in two minutes. I can get the really highlighted information I need or just the, you know, I just, all I care about is the sports or all I care about is the stock market. I can get that and I don't need to, you know, sit through a 30 minute newscast with, you know, guys back and forth and bantering and trying to tell them, oh, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, oh, wow. You know, that's, 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 that too will face a, newspaper-like crisis in the not-too-distant future. So you tell students in Grady, my generation, graduating seniors, to look for like the characters and the conflict to bring them beyond just, this is an event. You look for the golden nuggets in a tragedy that, you know, I mean, if, if everybody in Puerto Rico or whether it was in Texas or Florida, they're all caught in a hurricane. Well, a lot of people were caught. You didn't tell everybody's story, but the really enterprising journalists were down there trying to find what's the story of the folks that we did no one else had. It just was kind of different than, you know, I heard it sounded like a freight train. The wind blew real hard. So we find a, a guy, a couple who rolled out the storm, who didn't get out of off the, you know, out of the uh, harm's way in time. And so as a result, the hurricane passed right over them, and they rolled it out with their dog in a truck as the as the the the, the water came right up to their rear neck, and they didn't know if they were going to make it out because they couldn't open the door. It was water coming in, and they rolled out the whole night bouncing along because basically the storm had eaten away the shoreline. That's a compelling story, and they, they live to tell about it, and then talking to them the next day. And, and those things are compelling. They hold people, and so we need to have more stories that, 
that hold people. And folks, just they just keep looking for the thing that does hold their attention, right? That's why you're scrolling through. That's why you scroll through your phone, and all you, that's why you slide through. You just keep you just keep looking for some. Oh, that picture I like, or oh, I'm watching that video. That's why it quote unquote goes viral, right? Holding people's attention. There are lots of tens of millions of videos out there that don't. But you're looking for the one that does. And kind of break through that shell of desensitization. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, there's so many bad things happening. And bad things have happened all through history. That's not new. But because news travels so fast mm -hmm. and people get hit with it all the time. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes if you're looking at your phone and you see there has been an explosion here and there was this attack in the Middle East and people right. died, that kind of thing. Right. I know some people who look at that and say, oh, well, you know, I see that all the time. All the time. Why should I? Exactly. And that is what's happened because everything's so fast and you get it so immediately. It's seen. Now, you you know, you would hear about a car bombing somewhere and it would, it would draw, immediately draw your attention, say, 20 or 30 or 40 years ago because it, it seemed to be a rarity. And it probably was a rarity, but not only was it a, it was a rarity, it was like just a few people could report on it. But now that car bombing happens and, you know, 175 different alerts go off on your phone from everybody's telling you about it. So, you know, by the time you get like the 10th one, you're like, okay, I got it. So you do become desensitized. Even though it's a bad thing and you know it, you become somehow desensitized. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, another one, another one. But even unfortunate with the Las Vegas shooting a little bit, it just kind of like, and people kind of went like, another one. And we even had a conversation world about it. Folks will say, we'll stop, we'll pause. When is this madness going to stop? How many more do we have to go through? And then a week later, mm, it drops off. Right, right. It just, mm, okay. And nobody, nobody really thinks that much about it until we have the next one. And there always is a next one because there's always it seems to be a next one, right? There just is. And so, you know, and there's not really a whole lot of like, you know, and, you know, we had that one. And then people like had almost forgotten about that, you know, the congressman was shot. You know, you really forgotten about Sandy Hook with the kids. You know, it's there kind of lurking in the back of your mind, back of your mind. But it's not really top of mind thing that you're like on, like, say, 9-11 was for us. 9-11 was a big deal for us for many, many, many months. You know, now these shootings happen and stuff. And granted, 9-11 was on a larger scale in terms of death, but still some of these things happen and they just quickly just become, let's go on to the next thing. So we're trying to find the, the soul again and get the soul in our stories. <laughs> well, we, sh we should, we have to, we, ju we just have to do it or, or else, or else then really reporting and telling stories and telling, you know, accurate, fair um, stories with context just don't have any soul to them. It just becomes something you're doing and you don't want to do, you know, you don't, you might as well just get, get your third grade newsletter out. Oh, um, everything's happy. That's, you know, that's not what we want to do. Yeah, that's not what we're here for. <laughs> no, no, we're doing our whole, whole lives a disservice if we go no, that way. No, we're not. So. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Lead. This episode was produced by Nate Brammel and Noel Lashley, with special help from Keith Herndon, director of the Cox Institute at the University of Georgia. For more episodes with media leaders, go to soundcloud.com slash theleadpodcast, or find us on Twitter at theleadpodcast. Podcast.